Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Now we are down a co-host this morning is going to join me quickly with the incredible interaction that he had during the week with some killer whales, but he is in hospital at the moment. Redmond, you, you, you don't have the best of luck at the moment when it comes to uh, to your health. Well, I enjoyed seeing you last week. It's a, We're on a one-week-on-one-week-off basis, <laughs> which is nice. Good morning, everyone. And, uh, yes, unfortunately, I'm having a shock of a run. Uh, ended up back in well, sort of half of plan. Ended up back in hospital on Monday uh, earlier in the week. And... Uh, yeah, got some tests done. Sort of knew I wasn't going to be going home, and unfortunately, I'm still in here now. But they do a very good job, the cardiologist. And what I'm getting done is a procedure where they actually map the heart pad. It actually looks like in the, I guess, the Bass Canyons or something, or something in severe deep water where they those pictures on the new garments or Bruno's where they Bruno's where they actually map the bottom, and they're actually fully going to map the heart and look right around and find the scar damage in there because of my transplant. There's so much damage. And what's actually happened is uh, I've got a, let's just call it an electrical uh, electrical short in the heart, which is causing my heart just to be out of control with beats. So they're then going to burn a section of my heart and actually stop the current from running through that part of the heart and fingers crossed it works. And I should be back diving for crayfish in two days' time. <laughs> you are a machine. Now, an incredible thing happened to you during the week. You were out fishing with my good mate Gary Rowan uh, yep. for tuna, and you caught some some ripping school tuna over the over the last week. And you got some really good sized ones. But you also ran into an incredible school of killer whales, or a pod rather. Yeah, I was fishing with my uh, my mouse brown. Com- uh, Pletchin mate, uh, Gary Rowan, we both got beautiful mouse brown hair, and we were out there chasing those bluefin tuna, and we did the opposite of what we normally do, or not normally do, I shouldn't say that, was, it was a very busy Sunday, calm weather, everyone's thriving off these bluefin tuna pads, and like, they reckon they could count between three to 500 boats between, I guess, the Lonnie Lighthouse towards the Bowenhead's Bluff, which is a lot of boats in a selected area. And when I say three to 500, you speak to some person, they say 500, another person says 300, but it was a lot of boats. So the key for us on the day was to actually get away from the boat traffic as quickly as possible. So once we got away from the boat traffic, we started looking for fish. And sure enough, in the end, we ended up finding a uh, a, a, a pod of killer whales in the shallow waters around the Portfolio Bay heads. And I'm talking, these fish were in, oh, these fish, these whales were in like 10 to 12 meters of water, but just kept following us and following us and ended up being right in close, in nice and shallow, in two meters of water and just stayed with the boat pack. It was one of the best things I've ever experienced. You know how we always talk about what's the best thing to happen to you on the water? And I always say nothing happens. Well, my luck changed a little bit and this was sensational because for 40 minutes to an hour, these killer whales 
did not leave our boat and just wanted to play with us. As soon as I drove left, they come left. If I drove right, they came right. It honestly was one of the best things I've ever experienced on the water, to tell you the truth. And it, it went viral, not only in Australian news services, but globally. Well, I think I'm more impressed that uh, the Queen herself, Jackie Felgate, actually shared it. So that's uh, I think you know you've made it when she's shared it, which is good. Do you but, reckon, uh, yeah, do you reckon there's a chance that Jackie Felgate, like the, the main news services around the world, you know, or for Australians anyway, it's seven... Six o'clock, you got Channel Nine at six o'clock, you know, Sky, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you've got Jackie Felgate. She may just take over the entire news services offering that Australia has. She does love a good old COVID post, Pat. We'll give her that. She's taken over with it, the old Jackie, but she uh I got shared by but I was more impressed with the American I can't remember the show. Today and Wake Up with America, I think. Good morning, America, well. Aaron. Good, good morning, morning, America. That's the one. They contacted and sent me an email and I had multiple news sources. Send me emails right through the uh, right through the, the few days afterwards, which I was in hospital board and I just couldn't be bothered replying back to them to tell you the truth. So I just I just was in my own little world. But when Good Morning America got involved, I'm like, hold on, might be get a few more Instagram followers if I head over there, Pat. <laughs> it's um, it's something that always invokes curiosity, I think, with Australians or with, with anyone, really, especially given they're not seen all that often. But they are such an incredible animal, and particularly those marine lovers. They're um, the one animal that can take out a great white shark in the ocean. So incredible to see a great story, no doubt, Redmond. Now, before we let you go, because we do understand that you are in hospital at the moment, uh, how did you target these School bluefin. Whales. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the school bluefin. Because there's plenty of people that went out, a lot struggled to, to find the schools and probably didn't cover the water or explore as much as they should have. Got a little bit, I guess, pissed off during the week, to tell you the truth, because after I posted a photo, I was saying I had a great day to kill whales and then on the bluefin tuna. I actually had a few people messaging saying, oh, I did, um, I did six hours today, didn't see this, didn't see that, blah, blah, blah. Well, number one, you did see stuff, you just didn't see it, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is where these guys actually were chasing these bluefin tuna, the fish were everywhere around them. They really, really were everywhere around them. And they just weren't looking for the right things. You need to look for the rippling water. That's all they are at the moment, all they were, was rippling water. Like it literally looked like an area where rain is trickling on the top of the water. That's what they look like. And I watching boats fly past these fish, especially in the morning, and they're just driving straight past them and not even seeing them which is the number one, the first mistake they're making. Number two is, I didn't point you and the guys in the wrong direction. I told you where those fish were. Now, if I was going out fishing, that's the area I was going to be going, 100%. But when I seen three to 500 boats in that one area, you just put common sense in and you go, hold on a minute. Are they going to bite? I don't think they're going to bite because it's legit just chaos on top of the water. You're scaring the fish. So I spent three hours, an hour of that playing with killer whales, literally looking for fish pat. I drove around at 30 kilometers an hour with my nose up, just literally driving around looking for those ripples of water. And I seen nothing. And on the way back, the plan was to go look, but on the way back, right, let's go where the boat traffic is and let's actually look where they, where, where the fish, I know where they are. But I got lucky. I seen him out of the corner of my eye and we had the time of our life with fish by ourselves for, well, we caught as many fish as you wanted. And they're big fish. They're up 30-plus kilo, Pat, literally like 
big, big southern bluefin tuna, and you and I spoke about it earlier in the week, fast-growing fish and whatnot, but, like, are these the same fish that were here last year, like, the exact same fish, Pat? Like, are they the exact same ones? Yeah, and they're just grown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's going to be happening in, say, five years' time? Are these potentially going to be 80 to 100-kilo fish that are rocking up in the middle of summer? Mm. I mean, I've got a lot of tags of bluefin tuna in my boat right now, and I can guarantee you I'm going to be starting to use them regularly to work this out. Redmond, we keep seeing really good captures of of sharks at the moment as well. Oh. It's one of those things. We spoke about it last week on the show and we were talking about water temperatures. I know you, you had some, some water over the weekend where it was quite warm. I, I hit, I think, nearly just under 19 degrees when I took the kids out for a fish. The water's really warmed up and there's some really... Um, there's some good sharks on offer. It's just out of control, the shark fishing. Like, multi- I'm, I had a mate that got four makos in one day off Barwon Heads the other day. I'm seeing multiple, 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 like, just sharks coming in on boats. Like, but not those little bullets that we see, Pat, not those 10 kilo things. We're talking 100 plus kilo sharks. And we're seeing on that dorsal watch, if you follow that on social media, the shark activity around our coast from whalers and all and the likes. I haven't heard much about Bruce, great whites lately, but there's been a lot of bronzies in Clifton Springs up top of Melbourne. There's a lot of shark activity around. And not only that, we've got the killer whales that are around, Pat. Um, I don't know, I don't know about you, but there's only one thing that sort of leads me to what's going on and that's these tuna that are pushed down here. How's our shark how's our shark life gonna be in the next few years when this get continues to get like the, well, the way the tuna fishery is and the sustainability behind it all, that all the research that's going into it, it's only going to get better and better. And I think we're only around that 12 or 13% on the recovery rate, Pat. Mm. So imagine when that gets up to 30 to 50%. Wonder what the shark activity is going to be like because that's the only thing that's changed in the last couple of years regarding the tuna and the shark. So I'm no scientist, but put two and two together. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, it keeps getting better and better. On top of the water, but I'm tipping getting under and looking for trays. It might be a little bit more difficult. It probably depends on who you ask around the country whether they're interested in fishing for sharks because I dare say anyone from WA is saying, what the heck are you blokes talking about? But anyone south are saying, yeah, it's one of those um, great sport fish that you you and we can enjoy, but the plethora of, of what's on offer from Queensland certainly Northern Territory and, and Western Australia going, mate, they're just the biggest pain in the ass in yeah. the ocean. We don't, we don't need I mean, any more. Uh, you and I have experienced it, especially out of Cairns when we're up there, the whaler sharks up there and the reef sharks, everything you catch just gets destroyed. Where here in Victoria, we genuinely don't have that. So we don't have that issue. Mm. So it's not like we're battling with sharks in every fish we catch. But the mako shark, one of the most, I guess, recreational anglers want to chase big mako sharks they're an and they're incredible incredible in, fish yeah the, the aerial work they do the, how fast they can pull line off and the size they get to but not only that obviously like we all like releasing sharks too because part of the food chain but to eat wise they are a sensational eating shark probably up there one of my favorite sharks to eat so the old mako shark is definitely a sought after species that uh He's getting better and better right down the southern part of Victoria, even right up into New South Wales, along especially into Marlin season once all these bait arrives. 
they're going to be prolific. Speaking of New South Wales, the Hawkesbury uh, is fishing really well at the moment, Redmond. There's been some some really good-sized kingfish captures. Has there anything around the states that you've seen that's really struck your fancy and something you're thinking this is really worth reporting on? Well, I think we probably should have reported about this start of the show. And I'll just I apologise. I apologise for the noise behind me. The lady at the wrong time had a surgeons come in. She just had a double double lung transplant, actually, Patrick. It's very exciting. Kelly, but we chat, we, she, we had uh, had her on FaceTime last night, Red. Yeah, we had a massive Caps fan, and thank you for doing that. But I just want to mention that how's, how's Victoria and Australia at the moment? What about the tsunami that was issued <laughs> yep. for our coast? Yep. So that did capture my eye during the week. Uh, whether it impacted the fishing, I don't know. But I know there was a few tournaments up at Goldie and whatnot that had really at their blue marlin comps on and the like that really affected them. And I had a mate, up, a couple of mates up there fishing it. They did get some fish, but trying to get out of the bar was basically borderline impossible. I think they said there was 600 people going out a day. And on the average, there was only like 20 or 30 boats being able to get out on those. The day when that actual, sorry, what this, uh, the when the tsunami was through. around, yeah. the warning came through and then pushing into New South Wales uh, was very similar as well. But the, the guys that actually got out, uh, Port Stevens Way and whatnot, the marlin fishing, and, and out of Sydney, and the Chloe Lance and whatnot, they've caught some beautiful marlin the past few weeks, and obviously that's what's on my radar at the moment. I need to get this thing beaten properly because I need a boat to steer, which is yours, in the coming weeks to get up there and chase these marlin. And to tell you the truth, the kingfish out of Malacuta fishing relatively well. Like I said that uh, before, that, that tsunami has played an impact on the swell rolling in down there, but minimal. So we that'll recover very, very quickly if, if it hasn't already. Mm. And it's just going to get better and better. Redmond, we appreciate you uh, giving up your time this morning from the hospital bed. Uh, you've got more important things to worry about. So look after yourself over the next couple of days. Uh, as always, I'll just hold down the fort on the show. And, uh, yeah, no, I'll give you that one. You know, just just do me best this morning to uh, to bring all the latest news uh, from boating and fishing and outdoors from right around Australia. That's the latest fishing news around Australia, including a New South Wales fishing wrap. And remember, it's your responsibility to keep everyone safe, know your limits, and avoid taking risks. If in doubt, don't go out. Stick around because there's plenty more real adventures to come. I'm chatting with Gwaine Blake, and of course. I'll have the flying gaff a bit later on. We've got a great streaming recommendation for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Well, I thought I'd gotten rid of him, but we had to keep Red on to answer the questions we're getting in relation to school tuna, and we're getting stacks of them at the moment and how to approach them. So this will be Red's review for this week for Club Marine. Red's review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Redmond, a huge one has been the questions around teaser bars and the length that you've got them off the back of the boat. It's something that you use every time you go out fishing and it's it's probably appropriate that you, you give the details on where you get yours from. But what's the yeah. best position on these teaser bars off the back of the boat to really get those fish up and cracking? Yeah, so these have been uh, crucial, these teaser bars, Pat. Uh, they're really, really, 
really changed the way we fish. Now, we spoke about it last year, and we spoke about how we are behind regarding America with the dredge bars and everything. We are behind. They've made their way in Australia the last few years, and what they are, they're basically, I guess, just to give you an example, something that you have in front of your kid that hangs in front of their kids. Your kid, I don't know what it's called, you know what it is, but it hangs in front, they play with, and they're a baby, and it makes noise, that thing. It basically looks like that. And they it's the same philosophy it, as well. It, it is. It, it, it distracts them and it makes them, I guess, entertained. And that's the same thing with these tuners. They're literally, you're trawling them behind the back of your boat. Now, I'm running two of them plus a daisy chain. So I'm only running three rods for these bluefin tuna. Because if you do run more, tangles are a big, big pain in the backside. So I'm running one out off the shotgun, and I'm actually running it in the top of my rod holder's pad. So it's actually running in the in the, in the the rod holders that go up over with my bimney. So nice and high. I want to clear that braid from the other two rods. I'm running it, oh, I guess, you're trolling it 10 kilometers, to give you an probably, say, 50 meters, 40 meters back, I reckon, and you're running it probably 10 meters behind the white water of the back of your vessel. So where that white water sort of finishes from your propeller, I'm running it in the clear water just behind that. I'm then running another one of those these teaser bars, and these teaser bars run three legs, and they have heaps of squid. Or not, they've, say, got five or six down the middle and three or four down the side, side of it. And on the, yep. back, on the back attached to it is your lure. So you're actually catching the fish with it attached. It doesn't come off. You actually catch the fish with it attached. So that's how it works. And they flick on the surface and they create crazy attention. Now, the reason that I'm running a second one is, is when you go over that school of fish or you want to bring that school of fish from the side to you with your lures, it's, the first one's creating the attention and the fish go, crap, what's that? They come over and see it. Then they hit the one behind it. Now, the one behind it definitely catches more fish. But I believe the one in front of it creates a lot of attention. Yes. Now, on the, on the other side of the boat, I'm running that daisy chain out of a rigger up. And the daisy chain is just one of those teaser bars. There's just a single, it's just a single chain. So hence the daisy chain. And it's about four or five squid long with your lure attached to it. If you do want to get a little bit greedy and sneak another rod out, Pat, I recommend putting a diver in nice and close to your prop watch. They are catching a lot of fish, a nice diver, whether it's a, an atomic or if it's a Rapala or whatever it is, running it in nice and close. Now, it's worth noting, fish. it's worth noting, Redmond, on those divers, if you're running trebles, Get rid of them. They can swim like absolute bricks. Yep. And, and also just a, your, your hookup rate and your chance of actually getting in. Yeah, you might hook them. Um, but you've often spoken about how those trebles, will they'll work against each other. Yes. Depending on how aggressive the fish is once you've hooked it and can lead to you losing that fish. So you're far better off changing the hooks that you've got on it. 100%. You could, and you want to look around that, depending on the size of the Rapala or whatever you dive, we'll go dive that you're using. You want to run sort of a 5.0, 6.0, up to 7.0, depending on the size. Now, you're trawling at 10 kilometers in calm conditions, a smaller diver, 20 magnum will swim okay, or even at 10. But if you're in rougher conditions, they're going to pop out of the water. So you need to vary it on the day that you're fishing regarding the size and also matching the bait is quite crucial too, obviously. Pat. So good thing with a diver, it also acts as another teaser. It creates that much vibration through the water. It actually directs these fish to come up to you and look at these teasers as well. So they work, do work for you, and they are well worth actually uh, investing in. I've used the Bangers teaser bars. Bangers teaser bars, they're not expensive. I think they're only about 80 bucks, say, and I promise you, you will catch. I'm going to say they're, they're 
they will make a ten a zero session into a ten day tuna when they're being pricks. And if they that they will pick off ten fish. They some days you might have nothing, but the days where other people are going to get nothing and you have these, you might go, oh, there's a two way, there's a one way, yeah. and then all of a sudden you might pick up six to ten fish for the day. And Bob, who doesn't have one down the road, he's caught nothing. They will seriously change your fishing. And if you don't have to use them, like for instance, when I'm chasing the barrels, I know people that use them for barrels. I've never caught a barrel on one, but these things are big and they are heavy and they're hard to put in the water because you've got to get nearly two people to put them out. By the time you put your lure, the teaser bar, then you let your line out. You need to have it facing the right way so it flicks on the surface nicely because the bird at the front is shaped like a diver. And if you have it shaped like a diver, it tries to pull under the water. So you need to have it make make sure it's upright so it's pushing against the water so it actually stays on the surface. And they can be the drag in the water when you're fighting the fish is what causes people issues. Their knots will bust, their leaders will bust because they're not, use crimps as much as you can because crimps are stronger than your knots. They will work so much better and you won't lose that 80 or $120 teaser bar that you're uh, that you you, you want you don't want to go out there and lose it, Pat, when you're chasing these fish. You spend all the money and time to get out there. You don't want to just lose the teaser bar. So make sure you set them up correctly. Plenty of videos on Salt Guide to do that if you're interested, and you will catch more fish, I promise you that. The other thing on that, Redman, is just the size of the gear that you're using to chase these school tuna. You're not yep. going with a 50 Tiagra wide. You're, you're using stand-up gear simply because you can obviously cast to the fish far easier. You cannot do that with a with a big Tiagra. Yeah, if you get a barrel come through, you're probably not going to catch it. But Are you challenging me? It's far more enjoyable <laughs> to your fishing. And, and can I just add to that, the leaders that you're using on your bungee cast when you are casting to these fish? Yeah, so just we'll go to the trawling outfits. I'm running the Osprey 20 to 40 pound rods. So basically your standard gummy rods. I don't like tall rods for trawling. I like nice short rods. So they're only, I think they're only six foot, but you can run seven foot rods if you want. They won't make a difference. I'm running in size 8,000 Saragossa. Personally, I think I need to maybe upgrade to 10,000. They handle them fine. But like I said to you before, you do lose teaser bars here and there and you lose 50 meters. It does add up. And then if you have only an 8,000, you're losing meterage on your pool, uh, spool capacity. So if you are going to invest in the 8,000, I think maybe 10,000 will be the go. And I'm running 50-pound braid on them. I'm running then a 100-pound leader onto them where they attach to the uh, teaser bars in themselves. And the leader I'm running on the actual uh, lures itself is 100-pound too, but I'm crimping it all. So it's all crimped motion. It's not, not tied by knots. The joiner knots and FG knots or a uni knot, uni knot will handle it fine as well. And then literally it's crimped all the way down. We don't want to have it not crimped because those knots will bust. Now to the casting gear, I'm running a 6,000 Stella on a extractor uh, stick bait rod. And you could get away with any standard gummy rod, but you need a decent reel. And the reason for that is a decent reel will cast so much better. And you yep. don't want to go heavy braid. So I'm only running 30-pound braid on my Stella. Number one for the line capacity. And number two is it just falls off the reel beautifully. If you're running 50 pound or even up to 80 trying to cast, it just doesn't work, Pat. Yeah. It just doesn't come off nicely. Another key when these casting rods, keep your rule, your reels spooled to the top. You need to have them full. The fuller they are, the easier the line falls off too. And the reason that I'm saying this is the casting distance, 
every meter you can cast further, you need to take it. Because the further you stay away from these tuna and the further you can cast past them and bring your bungee cast or your popper through them, that is what's going to create more, uh, I guess, better hookup rates rather than having to drive on top of them and potentially spooking them because you can't cast far enough. So make sure you do get a good reel. The rod, you'll get away with nearly anything. Like, a, like you could nearly get away with pad of six to eight kilo ugly stick, one of the old school rods if you wanted to. But you need to make sure the reel's full, the reel can handle it. I was using the 5,000 Stratix last year. I burnt two of them out. The reel just <laughs> isn't made yeah. isn't made to do that. The new Stratix are a bit more versatile. They're, they reckon they're up there with the Stellas and they say that Shimano's dug himself a bit of a grave there because this nearly bloody is just as good as it's the Stellas. Yeah. They're such a good reel. So they might handle it, no worries too. I haven't experienced that myself, but give it a go. Maybe up it to a 6,000. And I don't think you'll have a drama in landing these bluefin. And to answer your question, I'm running 40-pound leader attached to the 30-pound on my casting rods. Beautiful work, Redmond. If you've been wondering why there's a bit of noise in the background, the great man is in hospital at the moment. So he's giving um, these reports that are happening right now from the hospital bed. So great work, old boy. Um, look after yourself over the next couple of days and we'll have yeah, you in well, the... Yeah, well, I'll try and... Uh, Try and I get back, uh, hopefully get through, and I'll be back next week, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back in the Real Adventures chair then. Uh, that is Aaron Habgood. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home. Gwaine Blake joins me this morning, professional fishing angler and one of our Salt Guide and Real Adventures regular contributors. Good morning, Gwaine. Morning, mate. How are you? Going well. Now, you aren't too far away from heading to Malacuta, but for Victorian fishos at the moment, there's been a plethora of action, whether it be school tuna, huge sharks offshore at the moment. What's taken your fancy the last few weeks? Because the, the options are limitless at the moment. Yeah, so for, for me personally, I've just sort of had me head down and bum up with um, charters and working with guides. So I've mainly concentrated on whiting and gummy sharks. But like you said just before, I'm heading away with a group of mates for a holiday down at Malacuta and the prime thing is going to be targeting kingfish. And then we're hoping... You know, Malacuta's a really good base. We can go an hour each way chasing the kings and we're keeping an eye on those water temperatures and currents and we might even head up towards, you know, um, Burmy or something for a marlin too. But the, the prime focus is on kingfish. So often when we have you on, you talk about water temperature and the ideal ranges. What are the temperatures that you look for that you then say, today or this week is the right time to start putting in big hours on the kingfish because for so many people, they're such a frustrating fish to chase because you put in so many hours, but quite often the rewards don't always come. 
Yeah, that's correct. So um, anything from start of the season from 17.5 and above is good. So at the moment, we've probably had one of the warmest uh, water temperatures we had for probably about three years. I've, I've found 19.5 degrees off rye already um, this season. That was just this week. So the temperature's there, but it doesn't seem to be too many um, bait fish coming inshore yet. And I think it's to do with all these big easterly blows we get and it's holding the bait further out. So once you get into sort of 45 to 60 metres of water, there's heaps of bait and that's where all the tuna and stuff are. But this is making it harder for kingfish. And the kingfish are popping up and then you know, they're in an area for a day or two because it's not their traditional areas. So they're out wide on the bait and then they're coming back down again. So... For the guys that are targeting the tuna, have stick baits ready because the kings are in amongst them. And it's just, I, I reckon we'll find that next month in February, uh, weather pattern's going to settle down. It's just a bit slower this year and all those kingfish and the bait will move inshore and we'll have you know consistent bite of kingies. When it comes to kingfish, we talk about water temperatures, it starts to warm up. One of the other byproducts of that slightly water, uh, slightly warmer water temperature has been some really good-sized mako sharks. When you talk to people around guiding and, and the best way to target big offshore makos, what are you looking for? What are the conditions you're looking for? Is it a time of year? Is it particular baits? Um. What's the best advice you can give to anglers out there? So I'm I'm looking for all the wildlife that's going to associate the big enough food source to hold those big makos. So the tuna's a really good one. And obviously, and not many people think about it, I shouldn't say obviously, but small dolphins. The big makos, a lot of the big ones caught in Victoria over that sort of 200 kilos actually have small dolphins inside their stomach contents. So at the moment, there's an abundance of dolphins straight out the front of Western Port and down towards Cody Bank. So that's the two areas I'd be targeting big makos or otherwise out wide off Barwon Heads in amongst where those tuna are. And you'll find that they're more active in the afternoon. That's when the tuna get more active and the makos will be more active as well. You're listening to Real Adventures. Our special guest this morning is Gwaine Blake, one of Salt Guide's professional fishing anglers, but he also operates independently as a professional fishing guide. So you can jump jump aboard Gwaine's Stabycraft. He's 1850 and take a small group uh, out on his boat, or there is the opportunity um, where he'll come on board and, and talk you through how to how to fish for how to set up your boat to target the species of fish that you want to target but you spend plenty of time on the water and don't often catch now Gwaine we've got a few questions that we often get sent into our real adventures socials and I'm going to fire them your way this morning and yep. you'll do your best to uh to answer them we'll start off with uh with Cameron Gwaine how much time do you put into sounding out new terrain to fish do you consider it a waste of time or is sounding out bottom and new bottom worth investing in? Yeah, I, I do it all the time, to be honest, Pat. I've got the Garmin set up. So with Garmin, you're using trick, quick draw contours. So I find that going out and mapping new areas is really helpful. 
And obviously, with my guiding service, there's no point just me jumping on your boat and taking you straight to the mark and we catch fish and we're done. The whole idea is to teach the customer how I go about hunting down targeting species. So, in fact, the last thing I ever do is go to one of my you know traditional good marks because that's the that's my backup. So every pretty much every time we go out, we go about that setting up the sounder, finding the area, bait presentations, and then obviously targeting that species. You mentioned it off the top of the show, your trip to Malakuta. This is on the back of that, or perhaps beforehand. Is Malakuta the only place to target really big kingfish? To be honest, Malakuta, I, I don't catch big kingies there. It's more multiple numbers of kingfish. That's so a good place to go and enjoy a bit of a laugh with multiple hookups with your mates. Tag quite a lot of fish as well. Um, targeting big kingies, there's probably three or four areas in Victoria that consistently has big kingfish. One, if you start down the west coast, it'd be Julia Percy, big reef off Apollo Bay. Um, late season in the rip, so March, April in, in Port Phillip Heads, or down at the Glenies, the Glennie Island group off Wilson's Prom. They're probably your four biggest areas to target big kings. Pete Stephen. Would you chase swordfish in Claxton? For those of you that aren't aware, Gwaine runs an 1850 Stabycraft. It's an absolute ripper. Its name is Claxton. But would you fish offshore and serious offshore for swordfishing at Gwaine? Not a problem. That's probably one of the main reasons I've just purchased a block of land down at Malakuta. <laughs> we'll be building a house this year down there. I will be spending autumns chasing swordfish and kingfish out of Malacuta and it's probably the closest point to the shelf so it's a shorter distance run but Claxton I can do nearly 120 kilometres of 60 litres of fuel so it's a very economical boat and it's very easy to target swords out of. Is that the balance between so correct me if I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure it's a 135 Mercury that you're running on Claxton? Yep. So the difference between that on an 18 foot boat versus you know, a six-metre six fibreglass where you're running a, a 200 or a 250, the, the economical value is pretty substantial. Yeah, and it goes across the board. So you're talking about a smaller, cheaper trailer. It's going to be cheaper to tow around the coast so I can drop and go anywhere with one or two mates. So that makes it more viable. It's easier to launch by yourself and retrieve by yourself and then I'm running at around 2.2 to 2.4 kilometres per litre with a bigger boat to back to that 1.7 to 1.3. I like this so that's next, where it's all at. I like this next question from Steve. Why did Gwaine and Aaron choose the boats that they chose? Would he or Aaron go bigger? Now, fishermen always talk about, I need a bigger boat, I need a bigger boat. Would you Would you look at a bigger boat or is this something that, you know, we've, we've had you on often before and you've spoken about the ease of trailering it, the ease of putting it in your garage. Is it something you'd look at? I mean, fishing is what you do. Yeah, look, obviously there's days where it's not as comfortable as the other boat getting there. But once you're fishing in the 1850, it's probably more stable, more comfortable than a hell of a lot of the other boats. But it's, it's never out of the picture. Um, it depends where I actually want to go with chartering 
obviously if you get a bigger boat, you can go further, you can get a couple more customers on board. But um, for, for me, for personal style fishing, it, it probably ticks all the boxes. I probably wouldn't mind pushing out to six, 6.2 metres. And that comes back to your sounding. With a longer boat, you don't rock up and down as much in the troughs in amongst the bays and it becomes better for your sounding quality of you know, sounding up fish, yeah. particularly snapper. But, um, I mean, that's just starting to get selfish for only you know, <laughs> three months of the year, so it depends what I want to do. Gwaine, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll be chatting with Gwaine. Every few weeks he'll give us his salt guide report. He'll talk about western ports uh, and also different parts of the state. Uh, thanks for your time this morning, Gwaine. Thanks, mate. And um, I'll send you some smoked kingfish later in the month. <laughs> Gwaine Blake, one of Salt Guide's professional fishing anglers. He also operates independently as a professional fishing guide. If you want to learn more about Gwaine's services, make sure you head to Gwaine Blake and his Instagram page. It's got all the info you need to know about what Gwaine offers as a professional fishing guide. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We're on the home stretch now. I hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning. It's time for Red's Tip now with and on the back of all these southern bluefin tuna and the school southern bluefin tuna that are being caught, particularly around the southern regions of Australia, Victoria, New South Wales uh, and South Australia, Tassie, the best way to prepare your fish in order to get the best tasting meal out of it. Now, something that I'm involved in, uh, Paul Worsling and a lot of um, anglers around the country that would be aware of, is a... Um, organization called tuna champions and it's a wonderful organization and they've done some some great studies and they've produced some incredible content around the history of bluefin tuna fishing the sustainability of the stocks and where the population has come from from 50 years ago when it looked like the australian southern bluefin tuna population was just about extinct and we weren't seeing any, to the last 10, 15 years of responsible fishing and responsible angling on how to preserve this fishery. It's a wonderful website. It's absolutely terrific when it comes to the history of the southern bluefin tuna, why the stocks were almost uh, completely destroyed to where it is now and to, to why it's in the position that it's in now because of um, what I've already mentioned, the, the responsibility when it comes to captures, releasing, and keeping the fish as healthy as possible. What's also a great website, though, is it's got great information on how to dispatch your fish properly so you get the best quality tuna when it comes to, to tabling it up. So the tip this week is head to the Tuna Champions website if you are going to go out fishing for these southern bluefin tuna because it talks about bleeding the fish, the talk about obviously getting them on ice, but then preparing them as best you possibly can. So when it comes to the plate, 
you really are using all of the fish, but it tastes sensational as well. This this is from, from cooking the tuna to eating it sashimi style. It, it really is absolutely wonderful. So if you want more information on the Southern Blue Fin Tuna, head to tunachampions.com.au. As I said, it's a wonderful website. There's tutorials on there. There's recipes, you name it, it's all on there. It's absolutely brilliant. So head there to skew yourself up on how to best prepare your tuna for the plate. Now, the flying gaff this week is is pretty simple. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of advice around uh, if you're stuck on the couch and you've got nothing else to watch, well, I've got something that is going to enthrall you for hours on hours. I was trawling through... Uh, the streaming services the other day, sitting at home. Kids are in bed, thank God. Uh, and I came across the rescue on Nat Geographic. And I had it through through Disney, but I'm sure there's other means of, of being able to stream uh, this show. And it's absolutely enthralling. It chronicles the, the story that transfixed essentially the world in 2018 around the, the Thai soccer team made up of, of 12 kids and their coach. And it's one of the most amazing documentaries that I've ever seen because not only is there first-hand vision, so GoPros, etc., of, of of what these divers had to do in order to, to rescue these kids, but the measures in which they went... Watching it on on the news services, it, it it does not break the surface with how dangerous this was. The use of the Navy SEALs, the U.S. Air Force. There was an Australian guy that um, that essentially was a, a you know a key reason behind these um, these kids being able to survive. It's it's one of the most amazing documentaries I've ever seen, and I couldn't recommend it higher for those that love the outdoors, because this will have you on the edge of your seat. It's called The Rescue, Nat Geographic. Um, uh, it's one of their films. I couldn't recommend it any higher. So give it a watch and uh, and send us in your feedback to what you thought about it because I guarantee you will be on the edge of your seat and you will enjoy every second of this doco. So The Rescue, it's on... Uh, Nat Geographic, and I streamed it through Disney. I hope you've enjoyed the show this morning. That was Real Adventures. We'll be back next week, and I'll be catching up with Christina Castellas, who's been on an amazing journey around Australia with her partner, John. It's an absolutely incredible chat. We'll speak to her next week. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91